Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Ritman Grace Podcast. We hope that it will encourage you as you seek to follow God and grow in your faith. If you would like to know more about our church, you can check us out at www.ritmangrace.org or feel free to email us at ritmangbc at aol.com. But for right now, let's get into today's message. Well, good morning, everybody. It is good to be here today, and uh, thank you, Pastor Bud, for that uh, very welcome invitation. Uh, it's a pleasure for us to be here. Uh, as Pastor Bud mentioned, we've been connected with the Ritman Church for a number of years. In fact, Ritman Church has supported us in ministry uh, since 2015, and we super appreciate you and your support. Uh, and it's not just in your financial support, but your encouragement. You guys have lifted up us up in prayer. Uh, and, and you guys have been a real blessing to our family. So we thank you for that. Uh, on the screen is, is my family. Uh, most of them are here today. Uh, we have four children, my wife Anita uh, and I have four children. Our oldest, Corbin, is not here today. Uh, he is uh, preparing to move back to North Carolina. He is in college there at North Carolina State University. And uh, he will be uh, staying there in North Carolina while we move to Alaska. So that's a way you can be praying for us, is uh, we're going to be on the opposite side of the continent from our oldest son. That's going to be a big change for us. Our other three kids are here today, Caitlin, Caleb, and Christopher, and uh, we would love for you to be able to meet them after the service here. So as you may have noticed when you arrived this morning, there's a big blue bus sitting out front. Yes, that is not the new Ritman Grace church bus, just to let you know. Uh, in fact, you might recognize it as an old Operation Barnabas bus. So Operation Barnabas is a ministry that has been put on by uh, the Grace Brothers Churches for many, many, many summers. Um, and uh, it, it is a summer ministry trip for uh, teens that are in their junior and senior year. Um, and they, they do summer ministry throughout the United States and even sometimes in, in uh, other parts of the world as well. So uh, CE National uh, is, is selling their Operation Barnabas buses. And uh, we uh, just yesterday drove out to Winona Lake and uh, purchased one of those buses. And that will be our moving vehicle for how we're getting to Alaska. We'll put all of our stuff in the back half of the school bus and we'll have living space in the front half of the school bus. Now we're driving to Alaska. You might've put two and two together. We're driving to Alaska and that's about a 10 day trip uh, at, a, at a normal pace. You can, you can push it and, and do it quicker, but a reasonable pace is about 10 days. During the present day that we live in with uh, Corona and, and uh, all the restrictions that go with Corona, especially once we get into Canada, we're gonna run into some challenges of we can't stop at restaurants, we can't go to grocery stores, even when we stop at gas stations, we can't go into the convenience mart. Um, they highly recommend that you don't do hotels if you can help that. So having a vehicle with our own living space uh, in there, uh, we'll set up a couple of beds and a kitchen area and, and a few other things. Having our own vehicle that we can basically mobilize the entire family and our stuff and, and just be self-contained in that bus is gonna be wonderful. And I think it's a neat connection that it was an Operation Barnabas bus and now we are headed to Arctic Barnabas. That's kind of neat, it's just, just a God thing right there. But Barnabas is, is, is a, a wonderful character in, in the book of Acts, and we won't be speaking about Barnabas today. Uh, but uh, 
Barnabas himself was uh, the son of encouragement. He was an encourager. And that's what Operation Barnabas was about, was the, the youth teams traveling around the country and encouraging churches and, and supporting the ministries. And that's what we'll be doing in Alaska with Arctic Barnabas. Now, there's no connection between Arctic Barnabas and Operation Barnabas, except for the fact that they both share the common passion of encouragement. Uh, Arctic Barnabas is all about encouraging and supporting the the missionaries and pastors that are in remote villages all across Alaska. Now, there's a couple hundred remote villages that you literally cannot drive to in Alaska. There's no roads. In fact, uh, 82% of Alaska does not have roads. So there, there's a large portion of Alaska and many, many villages in Alaska that the only way you can get there is by boat or by airplane. And that's where the ministry of Arctic Barnabas comes in, is uh, we are all about flying to these remote places to support and encourage the missionaries and the pastors and the church planters that are uh, in those villages. Now, there's many missionaries and pastors in villages across Alaska, but there's also many, many, many villages in Alaska where there is literally no gospel presence. And so that's what we are working to establish with those missionaries is, is networking and connecting and reaching out into those unreached villages to spread the gospel, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, Alaska is, is a dark place. Um, half of the year, uh, there's very, very little sunlight during the winter months, but it's also dark spiritually. Uh, there's a lot of folks that just need to know the good news of Jesus Christ, that need to know about the hope that comes with a relationship with God. And so that's what we are about and, and what we'll be doing in Alaska is, is working to spread the gospel in bush villages of Alaska. I'd love to talk to you more about this. Uh, we have a, a, a table set up out in the lobby, and after the service, we'll be there uh, to, to talk with you and answer any questions that you may have. Uh, and anybody that stops by the table, we do have a free gift for you. It's a book called Under His Wings. Now, I, I can't claim that I have written this book. This book is, is an older book. But if you stop by the table, we have a free copy for you. We'd love to share this with you. It's a wonderful book. It's filled with a bunch of short stories from uh, the world of, of missionary aviation, uh, stories from pilots that, that have flown in some pretty crazy places and, and encountered some pretty amazing things about how God has been at work. So stop by afterwards, and, and uh, we'll, we'll share that free book with you. Uh, also, we are right now, uh, for the next few weeks, uh, we are visiting several churches and several individuals because we are uh, raising additional financial support because uh, the cost of living in Alaska is very expensive. So we are looking for individuals uh, and churches that are willing to come alongside with us and partner with us in ministry financially. Uh, so if you're interested in, in being a part of what we're doing and connecting with what we're doing, we'd love to talk to you about that. We have uh, some information also at the table as well. So turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 16, if you aren't already there. Acts 16 is where we'll be spending most of our time today. And we're going to be looking at the missionary journey of Paul. In fact, it's his second missionary journey. And in a lot of ways, the second missionary journey of Paul has some very interesting parallels to the missionary journey that God has uh, the Most family on. And so we want to share uh, some of the, the things from the second missionary journey of, of Paul and as, as we are going through this, be thinking, asking yourself this question. How is God working through you, each and every one of you, to spread the gospel in the places that God has you? So you don't have to be a missionary to share the gospel. You don't have to be sent to a foreign location 
to spread the gospel. God has each and every one of you in a specific place for a specific reason to share the gospel with the people that are there. Your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, even people that you meet as you go about your daily business. So be asking this question throughout this message. How is God working through you to spread the gospel? Let's open in a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you so much for this day that you've given to us. We praise you for how you are at work in each one of our lives. We praise you how you have drawn us to you. And we ask that you continue to work in our lives and conform us to be more like your son each day. God, this is our desire that you would use us in a way that brings you glory. Now this morning, God, I ask that you give me the words uh, to, to share, your words to share from Acts 16 as we look at Paul's second missionary journey. And uh, may my words not get in the way of your message, God. Be honored and glorified this morning. We pray this in your name. Amen. So, in Mark 16, 15, these are the final words that Christ gives to his disciples before he heads back up into heaven. And he says, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to all creation. That's Christ's final words to his disciples. This was after, after working with these guys and discipling these, these, these 12, 11 fellows for a, a long time. This was his summation. His, his final keynote is to go into the world and proclaim the gospel to all creation. So it's very clear that, that Christ has designed us as, as believers, as Christians, as followers of Christ, to do as he did, to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And so as we look in Acts 16 here, we see that at work in Paul's life. Paul is actively following God's call in his life. And in Acts 16, starting in verse 4, we read, As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. So there's a couple of key principles that I want to bring out of this passage. And the first one right here is that God leads and directs in your successes to spread the gospel. God leads and directs in your successes to spread the gospel. So let me give you a little bit of backstory here. As I mentioned, this is Paul's second missionary journey. Now, Paul's first missionary journey didn't go so well. So Paul's missionary endeavors was largely to uh, the, the Jewish people that were in modern-day Turkey area. Uh, and so he, he would go into Jewish synagogues and preach about Jesus Christ, basically connect the dots from all the prophecies from the Old Testament and point to the fact that these are pointing to Jesus Christ. Now, he did reach a lot of, a lot of Jews, and there was a lot of conversions, but there was also a lot of opposition from Jews that, that were just firm and set that, no, this is not the fulfillment of prophecies. And so Paul faced a lot of challenges, and one of the biggest challenges that he faced during his first missionary journey was that not only were Jews coming to Christ, but also the Gentiles were coming to Christ. And how do you reconcile these two people groups, the Jews and the Gentiles, in one church, in the, in the, the church of Christ? And so that was one of the challenges that he faced in his first missionary journey. And what kind of happens in between his first missionary journey and the second missionary journey is what's known as the Jerusalem Council. This was basically a gathering of all the leaders of the early church trying to answer that one question. How do 
Jews that have converted to Christianity and Gentiles that have converted to Christianity live together in one faith. And there were many people that, that contended that the Jews had to, or sorry, that the Gentiles had to accept Christ and be circumcised and a couple of other things. In other words, there was, there was conditions. You had to accept Christ and this, and this, and this. There were all these things that you had to do. And this is kind of going back to the, the Jewish way of, of all the, the rules and all the laws that had to be fulfilled in order to please God. But as Christ preached over and over and over again throughout the New Testament, and as we see Paul writing over and over again throughout the New Testament, the way to a relationship with God is faith in Jesus Christ alone. We read that in Ephesians chapter 2. Um, and so the, the Jerusalem Council ended up deciding that, yes, that is as simple as it is, faith in Jesus Christ alone. And so uh, as Paul is sent back out on his second missionary journey, he is sent to many of the same churches that he encountered on the first missionary journey, and he was sharing the good news that was decided there in the Jerusalem Council that, that the, the Jews and the Gentiles can live together in one faith through that one simple act of faith in Jesus Christ. And, and we see here in this passage is as they went through the cities, they delivered to them for the observance the decisions that had been reached. That's those decisions from the council and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. One of the first places that Paul stops on his missionary journey, and it's a little bit earlier in, in, in Acts 16, is the city of Lystra. So in Lystra, uh, his experience on his second missionary journey is a lot different than his first missionary journey. Now, in Lystra, the very first time that, that he was that there uh, to share the good news of Jesus Christ, Paul was stoned, dragged outside the city, trashed, or tossed into a trash pile and left for dead. Yeah, that's a, that's a warm welcome there. But here we, we see in, in Acts 16 that his second missionary journey in in Lystra, he is met with great joy. Because in Lystra, the same town that he was stoned in previously, was where Timothy, the, the young disciple Timothy, was added to the, the missionary party and ended up becoming one of, one of uh, uh, Paul's dearly beloved. Um, he, they, they worked together in, in many places, and, and also uh, Paul supported him in the, the pastoring that Timothy was called to in a couple of churches as well. Uh, in fact, in, in later years, Paul would refer to Timothy as his son in the faith. Uh, Paul discipled Timothy for many, many years and, and loved Timothy. And it was here in Lystra that Timothy was added to the missionary party for the second missionary journey. So again, Paul is just encountering success after success after success. The Jerusalem Council agreed with Paul. Uh, Timothy was added. And we see here, too, in Acts 16, that when he was delivering the decision from the Jerusalem Council, he was meeting with success. In fact, it says, so the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. Can you imagine that? Churches increasing in numbers daily? That's hard to fathom, because we don't see that sort of thing very often uh, in, in these days and ages. But what we were finding here in the book of Acts is, is that the Jews and the Gentiles were able to reconcile and come together in peace in one church. And furthermore, that they were able to reach new people and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And they accepted Christ, and the churches were growing in numbers daily. So Paul is seeing some pretty amazing things here. I, I mean, seriously, the churches were growing in numbers daily. That's incredible. And Paul was a part of that, and, and it was exciting. 
But I want to point out that the goal of evangelism is not to rack up huge numbers. It's exciting to see what was happening with Paul here, but I, I want to caution you, it's not a numbers game. It's all about the, the Spirit of God doing work in the hearts of those who need to know about Jesus Christ. And so that's what we as Christians are called to do, is share the good news of Jesus Christ and, and leave the work of conversion to the Holy Spirit. It's not up to us to rack up numbers. It's up to, up to us to share the gospel. That's what we can do. That's what we should do. And so um, I, I want to point out that uh, as we are encountering successes in ministry, and we see here in Acts 16 that Paul was encountering successes in ministry as he was visiting these churches uh, that, that didn't go so well the first time, there's a couple of things that we need to keep in mind. Uh, when God leads in these successes, we need to rejoice that God is at work. We need to remember that God is in control of all things. And so we need to rejoice that God is actively involved in these successes in sharing the gospel. But we do need to give credit where credit is due, and that is ultimately to God. It's easy for us to take the credit when things are going well. It's easy for us to blame somebody else when things aren't going well. But when things are going well, we need to give credit where credit is due, and that is ultimately to God and to his Holy Spirit at work. And we need to guard against the success being the goal. That's not the goal. Because if, if we are driven only by successes and defining successes as the goal, then when things aren't going well, we begin to feel like failures. But as we'll learn here in just a little bit, sometimes it is God-ordained for things to not go well. And this year we have really encountered that with all the restrictions that we have because of corona. Things are challenging in ministry right now. So the goal is not about the successes. The goal is about knowing God and making him known. That's what it's about, plain and simple. That we may know God and make him known among the peoples. I want to share uh, a recent uh, story from our time in Alaska, and, and we've, we've been up to Alaska a number of times, but in three weeks, we are climbing aboard that blue bus and driving to Alaska, and we're going to be living there full time. But last summer, my family and I traveled up to Alaska for uh, a month to do some, some ministry during the summer, and part of that was a, a trip out to one of the remote, remote villages. In fact, uh, it's kind of hard to tell in this picture here, but this picture is us uh, on, on a gravel airstrip on a remote village in the middle of Alaska, and, and uh, that gravel airstrip goes right off into the lake. There's nothing that is stopping you from rolling off the end of the runway and, and becoming a float plane. Um, <laughs> but that just shows you how, how remote and how rugged many of these villages are. They're, they're out there. And, and hard to reach any other way than by airplane or by boat. The reason why we went out to this remote village is to work with a ministry that was uh, uh, planted in one of, one of what is called a hub village. So a hub village is a slightly larger village that a lot of the smaller villages all around that hub village depend upon because that hub village has an airport and has a seaport. So those, those villages around the hub village can go there when they need supplies. But we went with, to, to work with the ministry of KYKD. So KYKD sounds like a radio station. That's because it is a radio station. KYKD is a Christian radio station that is uh, reaching uh, many, many places all throughout Alaska. And uh, here we are talking with uh, the, the radio DJ, so to speak, uh, who is an amazing Christian man. Uh, he, he has 
so many stories to, to share about how God has, has worked in his life and, and how he has seen God at work in these villages. Um, but there are, there are what's called repeater stations of this um, uh, radio station all across Alaska. You can see on the graphic here, all those little yellow dots are, are places where this radio station is, is rebroadcast in remote places. And many of these places are where I was talking about earlier, where there is no gospel presence, where there is no church, where there is no missionary. But if the villagers have a radio, they can tune into the Christian radio station. So this Christian radio station is reaching into some pretty remote places uh, with the good news of Jesus Christ. And they are also actively involved in translating uh, God's word into um, uh, some of the native languages. Uh, and here you can see a recording studio where, where there's... Uh, God's word that has been translated into a print version of the native language, uh, but then it's being recorded as an audio version as well. The reason why we went there is because there was a challenge. Uh, th this uh, KYKD is, is in the tundra portion of Alaska, uh, where the ground is permanently frozen. And uh, in, the, in the summer, it does warm up the top surface just a little bit, but, but it goes through these what's called freeze-thaw cycles, and the ground literally will just undulate from those freeze and thaw cycles. So all the houses on that, in, in that village are up on stilts. You can see this, this, the radio station is up on stilts, and the porch is also up on stilts as well. But that freeze-thaw cycle and the ground buckling and waving is really, really hard. And the, the porch to get into the only entrance for the radio station, the, the, the stairs, didn't make it through the past winter. And so the, the DJ for the radio station was having to climb a ladder to get into uh, the, the main entrance for the building. And that was just a challenge. He's, he's an older gentleman. And, and so we went out there uh, to build a new porch and new stairs. And uh, in two days, we were able to, to do that. And it's a, it's a very unique design because it's not, it's not anchored into the ground at all. It, it's, it's a free-floating staircase that is hinged to the building, and when, when the building moves with that freeze-thaw cycle, the stairs will hinge and move with it so that it, it won't be torn apart like the previous one was torn apart. But we were there to be a part of the gospel work that has been done in Alaska. We were there, even though we were only there for three days, we were able to, to be a significant part of helping that ministry in the work that they are called to do. That's what we're doing, Arctic Barnabas, is coming alongside other ministries and helping them in the ways that they need to be helped. While I was busy working on, on the porch and the, the stairs, Anita was connected with uh, uh, one of the churches in the area, and she was able to do free haircuts for people in the community uh, there in the, the church building. Uh, they opened up the Fellowship Hall and uh, put out on Facebook, yes, there is Facebook in this remote village, um, they put out on, on Facebook uh, that there was free haircuts at the church. Uh, was it two afternoons, I think? Yeah, two afternoons. And she saw, I think, 35 people in those two afternoons. Anita is a, is a cosmetologist. That's one of the neat things. You know, when, when she was studying to be a, a beautician uh, so many, many years ago, she had no idea how God could use that to bless others and how God can use that in ministry. But what we're finding in Alaska is beauticians and cosmetologists are few and far between. And so this is something that when we travel to these remote villages, this can be a real blessing to the missionary families that we're working with, to the pastor families that we're working with. So Nate is excited to be a part of, of the ministry work as well that we're doing in Alaska. So principle number one was that, we need, that God leads and directs in your successes to share the gospel. But as I alluded to, 
you won't always be encountering successes. In fact, sometimes you'll be encountering challenges, sometimes you'll be encountering obstacles, and we have to realize that God is leading and directing even through the obstacles, even through the challenges that we face, God is still in control. So having succeeded in the purpose of this missionary journey, so Paul on his second missionary journey was sent out by the Jerusalem Council to return to those churches, deliver the decision, and that went well. He delivered the decision to all those churches. And after having accomplished that, Paul begins to look to the unreached people. So Paul comes from Jerusalem and delivers uh, the decision to all these churches in uh, what would be eastern Turkey. And then he turns his eyes towards western Turkey and, and, and sees the unreached people that are there and decides to continue his work and continue reaching the lost. But he runs into many obstacles throughout this stretch of his missionary journey. So initially, uh, we read it right here in, in 16, verse 6. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. Now, that seemed like a very small passage. They ran into a few obstacles, but let me, let me break this out a little bit and show you just the kinds of challenges that they were encountering. So, come from Jerusalem, deliver decisions to the western Turkey area. Let's keep going, sorry, the eastern Turkey area. Let's keep going west this direction to the unreached peoples over in western Turkey. But what we see is that uh, in verse 4, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Now, this isn't modern-day Asia. This was a province of the, of the Roman Empire at that time. But why was he forbidden by the Holy Spirit to reach Asia, to even enter into Asia? We don't know the full story behind that. But what we do know is that in this region of Asia, we find uh, the future location of some churches of, uh, of Colossae and Ephesus. You may know them because they're in your Bible as the book of Colossians and the book of Ephesians. So we know that in the future, there's going to be a church there, but the Holy Spirit prevents Paul from going there. Oh, can you imagine the frustration? Paul has this heart for the lost. He desires to reach them, but the Holy Spirit prevents him from going there. And then we look and see in verse 7, And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So we can't go into uh, Western Turkey. Let's go north and try and, and reach northern Turkey. But the Spirit of Jesus prevents them from going to northern Turkey. Oh, frustration, obstacles, challenges. We don't know why. It doesn't say in the text why the Holy Spirit prevented them from going to Asia or why the Spirit of Jesus prevented them from going into Bithynia. Uh, but in hindsight, we do have a couple pieces of information that because we have the whole Bible, we, we do see a little bit larger picture. So after Paul encountered these obstacles where he couldn't go here, he couldn't go here, he decided the only options left were to either turn around and go back to Jerusalem or press on and get a different direction. So Paul presses on towards the northwest to a small city of Troas, which is a port city uh, on, the, on the western coast of Turkey. So Troas was about 500 miles away from the last church that Paul delivered the good news to. So Paul, Paul heads into the unknown region to, to reach people that haven't heard the gospel. He runs into an obstacle here, he runs into an obstacle here, and he keeps heading on to Troas. 
Now let me put into perspective 500 miles. And keep in mind that Paul was either on foot or maybe had a, a donkey uh, that, that was, was carrying some of his load. But 500 miles is a long way to walk. From here, that would be like walking to New York City or St. Louis. Has anybody ever walked that distance before? No? No, no takers? Well, <laughs> yeah, 500 miles is a long way. You don't just do that in a couple of days. That, that takes weeks, if not months, because keep in mind, there weren't paved roads back then. And so there, there were some challenges that he faced even in the journey. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul talks a little bit about some of his missionary journeys, and, and perhaps uh, some of this was in reference to the challenges that he faced during this portion of his missionary journey. So in 2 Corinthians, we read this, Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes last one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Anybody interested in signing up for this missionary journey? Any, any volunteers? No? What we see here is that Paul did not have an easy time on this missionary journey. He was encountering successes in his early part of the second missionary journey, but then he's running into obstacles and running into long stretches of nothingness, long areas where there doesn't seem to be any visible fruit. There were no conversions recorded in this portion of his journey. There were no churches that were planted. Uh, we don't even hardly see the hand of the Lord other than to prevent him from going into different places. So that these were some success or some challenges that Paul was encountering just after having all those successes. But when following God's path in our life, when the journey becomes laborious, we expect God to intervene. We expect God to come in and fix things and make it easier. Now, Paul did not know on his journey to Troas how long it was going to be until he kind of got to the point where God was calling him. Paul did not know in that 500-mile journey whether he was on mile 1 or mile 499 of the journey to where God had him. Paul was just pressing forward in faith. Paul knew that God had called him to reach the lost, and that was what he was doing. So as we look at this, there's five principles that I want to share with you when it comes to facing obstacles to spread the gospel. First of all, we need to look at our lives. We need to look at, are we walking in obedience? Now, Paul was clearly walking in obedience. Paul was doing what God had called him to do. Paul was seeking to reach the lost. But when we face challenges, when we face obstacles, we need to ask God to reveal in our lives areas where maybe we're not walking in obedience. Now keep in mind that obedience is more than just not sinning. Obedience is involving God in every aspect of your life, in your thoughts, in your attitudes, in your words, in, in the decisions that you make. So obedience is involving God in every aspect of your life. We also see, too, that Paul was walking by faith. Now what is faith? Hebrews 11 talks a lot about faith and what faith is. But faith is more than just blind hope or a willingness to follow wherever. 
Faith is a confident assurance based on how we have seen God at work in the past, that God is still at work and will continue to be at work in our lives. What, Paul, what kept Paul going despite loneliness, despite sickness, despite disappointment, despite the many obstacles that he faced, was his faith in God. Paul had seen God at work. Paul had really a face-to-face encounter with God when he was called to ministry. And Paul had faith that that God who had called him to ministry was still at work in his life and still working through him to reach the lost. God will reveal the outcome in his own time. It took weeks or even months for Paul to make this journey. And maybe you're on a journey of, of challenges right now. Maybe you're facing obstacles. Uh, ministry during the times of, of Corona is unlike anything that we've encountered before. But there are obstacles, but God is still at work. So God reveals the outcome in his own time. Paul did not know why the doors to Asia and Bithynia were closed, but what we know, because we have the whole Bible, is that at the same time that Paul was being turned away from those regions, Peter was being prepared to go to the region of Asia. And then later, at the end of Paul's second missionary journey, he would hook back around and come and visit the, the, the churches there in Asia. And so we know that God is actively at work and working in his own time, not in our time frame. The next thing is that Paul was walking in perseverance. He didn't give up at the first obstacle. There are some times when we face challenges and we just say, oh, I give up, can't do this. Paul faced challenge after challenge and obstacle after obstacle. And, and I listed all the many challenges that he ran into, and it was a challenge. But we also see in the book of John some challenges that Jesus himself encountered. And in John chapter 6, we read a story about how Jesus had just performed a miracle. Jesus had just fed 5,000 people with one boy's lunch. And really, it was probably more like eleven to 12,000 people because that was a count of just the men that were there. So Christ performed a miracle. He fed a ton of people with one person's lunch. That was miraculous. And what we see in John chapter 6, uh, going to, to uh, verse 60, is what came after that miracle. So John chapter 6 in verse 60, after feeding the 5,000, and then the next day, Jesus connects the dots that the bread that he fed them for that meal only fed him for that one meal, but that he was the bread of life. And people couldn't understand this concept of bread of life. What does this mean? How are you bread? And what we see in John 6, verse 60, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? And then jumping ahead to verse 66, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the only Holy One of God. Well spoken, Peter. But what we see here is that Christ was at one of the highlights of his ministry. He performed a miracle in front of thousands of people, and the very next day, most of those people turned away walked away, never again to follow him. Can you imagine how discouraging that would be? But Christ in this situation also continued to walk in perseverance. 
Christ is our example here. That even despite the fact that people walked away and left him and never followed him again, Christ himself persevered when he faced obstacles. Another principle is that we have to sometimes understand that a no can also be a part of God's leading. A no can also be a part of God's leading. We have to realize that when things don't work out, it's not necessarily a failure on our part. It is God working out his master plan. When Paul was was told, no, you can't go to Asia, when Paul was told, no, you can't go to Bithynia, that was not a failure on Paul's part. That was God actively working. And then finally, we see here that Paul recognized that the goal was to follow Christ. Goal was not a location. Even though Paul wanted to go to a couple of places that he couldn't go, that was not the, the, the goal to, to go to those places. The goal was to share Christ, to know Christ and to make him known. And so Paul pressed on even when he faced obstacles. I want to share a, a story of just this past summer. In, in July, uh, I went up to Alaska. This time it was just myself. My family stayed, stayed behind. Uh, but in, in Alaska right now, there are some unique challenges that we don't encounter here uh, in, in the lower 48 when it comes to uh, the coronavirus. So the, the previous um, big flu epidemic that, that hit uh, the, the U.S. was the 1918 uh, flu ep- epidemic. And that epidemic really ravaged the remote villages in Alaska because they... they didn't have great health care, and they did not have any way to get to great health care. And so many, many people died in Alaska because of that last flu epidemic. Because of that, they are very, very, very cautious right now, and rightly so, because even still, a lot of these villages don't have great health care available to them. Transportation is a little bit different now, uh, but but there are challenges. And so uh, one of the things that we are encountering with Arctic Barnabas is that uh, we can't go into the villages like we used to. We can't come alongside the missionaries and, and uh, help them with a VBS or help them put a new roof on their, on their parsonage. Uh, so we need to adapt and find new ways of doing ministry and reaching out to these, these missionaries that are already planted in these remote villages. Because they, they need support probably more now than ever because they are feeling very isolated. Uh, because it's a challenge for them to, to be able to leave their village, and it's a challenge for them to be able to receive people to their village. And so we are, Arctic Barnabas, we're, we're adapting. We are, we are becoming uh, a little bit different so that we can maintain uh, relevance to these missionaries. And so uh, we, we have found new ways of connecting with these missionaries and helping them. Uh, for example, this right here was a flight that was done where a, a church that is not too far from where Arctic Barnabas is located, uh, they were donating their, their puppet ministry. So the, the, uh, a whole pile of puppets, the entire stage, a number of props, uh, and, and they made it known throughout Alaska that, that first come, first serve, any, any church that wants to have this, uh, this puppet ministry, you're welcome to have it. Uh, and so a remote village uh, in northern Alaska spoke up, and, and the church there uh, really saw the potential for being able to reach the kids in the village with this puppet ministry. But the challenge is, how do you get this puppet stage and, and tub of puppets to that remote village? Well, that's how we at Arctic Barnabas were able to help out. Even though we weren't able to go into the village, we were able to fly to the airport, 
drop off the stuff there at the runway and then you know wave at the missionary from a distance and then take off and and know that the small part that we had to play in in providing that puppet ministry to that village is going to have a lasting impact in reaching the kids of that village or take for example um, another village uh, that is hurting right now for for food uh, so at Arctic Barnabas, we partner with the local food bank uh, that's not too far from, from the hangar. And that food bank uh, provides us with literally a thousand pounds of food every month, half a ton of food to fly to this village to, to support those in that village that, that need food. And so we're able to fly the food and again, leave it there at the runway and uh, wave at the missionary from a distance and then, and then take off, knowing that the missionary is able to then uh, disperse that food amongst the needy there in the village. And this, this is another example. It's kind of a, an odd example that you might think, but let me explain here. So we were contacted by a missionary in a remote village uh, that had a, a unique need, I would say. Uh, he's trying to reach the youth that are in his area, the teenagers. And, and the challenge is in this village, there's not really anything for the village, village teens to do. And so they sometimes will get into trouble. So he wanted to come up with a way that uh, the, the teens could spend time there at the church. And so he asked, is there any way that we can get a, a basketball goal out to the village? Because the kids love to play sports. And so we were able to find a basketball goal and fly that basketball goal out to the village. So you may think, wow, that's kind of weird, and you can just go down to Walmart and get that. Well, not in Alaska. There's only two or three Walmarts in Alaska. <laughs> not, not that many. We kind of take for granted in the lower 48, when we need something, we just hop in our car and drive to the store to get it. Well, that's not the way it is in Alaska. And in this remote village, there was no way to get that basketball goal there, except you know, we came alongside them and made that possible. So this, this church pastor is able to uh, set up that basketball goal and have a basketball ministry to the, the teens in the village and share the good news of Jesus Christ with them while they're playing basketball. Uh, so there's, there's these neat ways to be able to partner with the missionaries. Even though we aren't able to be in the village with them, we can still support them in the work that they are called to. Finally, principle number three that we see in Acts 16 is that God leads and directs towards future opportunities to spread the gospel. God leads and directs towards future opportunities to spread the gospel. Said another way, God prepares you for what he has already prepared for you to do. We read it in Ephesians chapter 2. Let me turn there. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That verse tells us that God has already prepared good works for us to do. We simply need to walk in them. God created us. God created works for us to do. All we need to do is follow his leading and do those things. So God leads and directs towards our future opportunities to spread the gospel. So Paul, as he was sitting in the city of Troas, receives a message from God. And we pick up back in Acts 16, verse 9, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, 
come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to him, or to, to them. So Macedonia was across the Aegean Sea from where Troas is, from where Paul and, and his group of guys had traveled on that long 500-mile journey. And while they were there in Troas, they received uh, this message from God calling them across the Aegean Sea. Now, you probably are familiar with the several stories of, of Paul sailing during missionary journeys, but this is a significant call here because across the Aegean Sea is a new continent. This is the point where the gospel reaches into the continent of Europe. This is significant. This is, this is something that has only happened a couple of times in history where the gospel finally reaches a new continent. So this is exciting to see God using him at a significant turning point in history. Now, across the Aegean Sea in the Macedonian region, there's a couple of churches that you may be familiar with, uh, the Church of Philippi and the Church of Thessalonica. We have a couple of books in our Bible from those churches as well. So how can you look to God for direction when he is working through you to spread the gospel? Well, there are five ways that I would propose that you can look to God for direction. The first may seem obvious, but the first way is through scriptures. Over and over and over again in God's word, it literally says, this is God's will for you, that you should, that you should. Spend time in God's word. Consume God's word. Let it, let it permeate your thoughts. The Spirit of God will never lead contrary to God's Word. And so if you feel like you're being led to do something, consult God's Word. The Spirit of God will never lead you contrary to that. But the second way is through prayer. Throughout Scripture, what we see over and over again is that the people who walk closely with God are fervently crying out to God. They are dependent upon that communication with God through prayer in, in seeking God's will for their lives. Now, it may seem a given, it may seem simple or a cliche that we, we have to consult God through scriptures and prayer, but I can guarantee you that it is impossible to discern God's will without those two things. If you, if you jump over scriptures and, and prayer to the other ones that I'm about to share, there's no way that you're going to discern God's will for your life. Start there. The next way to seek God's leading in your life is through other Christians. God has wired us as Christians in a very unique way that we are able to see things in others that sometimes they miss themselves. We are able to see skills and abilities and talents that God has wired into people that they take for granted or that they sometimes miss. And so other Christians are often a very good source for, for talking through and, and, and praying through and seeking guidance through other Christians. So again, start with scripture, start with prayer, but then also consult other Christians as you seek God's leading in your life. Also, seek God's leading through circumstances. You may have heard of the cliche of God works through open doors and closed doors, but I'm here to tell you that God really does. I, through the past six years that we've been in mission aviation, God has closed many doors and God has opened many doors for us. In fact, this probably past month and a half, God has closed many doors as, as we have sought 
his will for how to move to Alaska and open other doors, such as the Operation Barnabas bus. We never saw that coming. Uh, in fact, it was, a, it was a, a Grace Brethren Church out in Indiana that reached out to us and said, hey, have you considered this as an option? That was God working through other, other Christians to show us uh, his will for our lives. But I want to caution you not to jump to conclusions. Just because there are circumstances in your life, that doesn't necessarily mean that God has those circumstances there to lead and direct you. Remember, too, that Satan likes to put obstacles in your path to trip you up. So don't assume that a closed door is God saying no. Again, go back to Scripture, go back to prayer, and go back to other Christians. Finally, through all of those things, the Holy Spirit should be at work in your heart. The Holy Spirit should always be at work in your heart. But when you feel the Spirit moving you to compassion, that's when you know that the Holy Spirit is leading you and guiding you. And what leads me to compassion, what moves my heart, may be different than what leads you to compassion and what moves your heart. And that's okay. God has wired us for a unique mission. And as we see an example of Christ, Christ saw the need, saw many, many needs, he was moved to compassion, and then that is what led him to action. Christ saw the need, was moved to compassion, was led to action. And for each one of us, that's going to be a little bit different. But that's the Holy Spirit at work in your life, directing you where to spend your passion, where to spend your time and efforts and talents. So in conclusion, where are you in your journey? Where are you in your journey? We see in Acts 16, Paul was in five different stages of his missionary journey. First, he was in Jerusalem where God had called him to go out on this journey, and God had given him a mission. Then we see in Lystra that Paul was encountering successes and, and joy in ministry. We see on his road to Troas, Paul was facing obstacles. Paul was facing challenges. Paul was facing a desert of, of no visible working of God uh, through his ministry. Paul, in the midst of that, had the opportunity to give up. That would have been the easy way out. And then finally, in Troas, Paul receives uh, God's leading towards the next step in missionary journey, in the next step of ministry. So where are you? Are you in Jerusalem and God has called you? I encourage you to step out in faith and follow God's leading in your life. Are you in Lystra where you're encountering success and ministry? Rejoice at how God is working. Praise God that he is working through you and stay humble because it's God at work and not you. Are you on the road to Troas where you are facing challenges and obstacles and a dry desert? Keep persevering. Stay strong in the faith. Know that God has a plan and God is always active. Are you at the point where you feel like giving up? I encourage you, don't give up. Know that God has a plan for you. Know that God will continue to guide you each step of the way, even when you feel like giving up. And finally, if, are, you, are you in Troas where Paul is looking for what lies ahead? Know that God has a plan for your future too. That God has a plan for where you are headed, who you will be interacting with, who you'll be sharing the gospel with. Keep looking to him for guidance. Keep looking to him as you pursue his leading in your life. Now, the Most family, I would say that we are in Troas. Like Paul, we have received that vision for where to go. 
uh, we have received that call to go to Alaska. For Paul, that meant hopping on a boat and sailing over the Aegean Sea. For us, that involves hopping on the blue boat out front and driving it up to Alaska. So we covet your prayers. We, we, would, we would love to have you uh, follow our journey. Uh, we, we do posts on Facebook, and we also uh, send out uh, newsletters as well. And we would, we would love to have you uh, pray along with us and, and support us in ministry and encourage us. So again, stop out by the table after the service. We'd love to talk with you a little bit about that. Uh, but, but continue to, to just be a part of what God is doing in your lives. Seek God for, your, for leading in your life. And in every situation, those that are apparently good, those that are obviously bad, and everything in between, praise God. Praise God that He is at work in your life. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, we thank You that You are a God who is actively involved, that You seek to use us in a way that brings You glory. God, we are humble because we know You don't need us. God, you don't need us. Even if we don't cry out, the stones will cry out, God. So God, may we stay humble. May we seek your hand. May we seek your glory in the things that we do. Continue to work in our lives in a way that brings you pleasure and, and work in our lives in a, in a way that radiates the hope and the joy that we have so that those that are around us that don't have that hope and that joy can see that and can desire that and, and can... Uh, come to us and say, what is the reason for the hope that you have? God, may we always be prepared to share the reason for that hope. God, we ask now as we go from this place that, that you uh, work in our lives, that, that we can uh, seek you each new day for what you have in store for us that, that day. God, we trust you. We love you. We praise you. And in your son's holy name, we pray this. Amen and amen. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Ritman Grace Podcast. If you have questions or would like to know more about our church, please visit www.ritmangrace.org or email us at ritmangbc at aol.com.